What is up, everyone? I'm Jeff Lund, and this is the Mediocre Alaskan Podcast. Talking with John Paterka from Sagebrush Dry Goods out of Cake, Alaska. Uh, thanks, John, for, for being on here and taking some time out of your Wednesday. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we get talking about uh, Sagebrush, everyone asked me how I got to Kowak. I grew up in Kowak, and my family moved there when I was five. Um, so how did you uh, end up in, in cake? Well, actually, Sagebrush brought me to cake. Um, I was uh, living in Montana and working in the outdoor gear industry there and had, through some mutual acquaintances, um, had found out about this business opportunity in cake. And I knew about the product, and I'd known it had had connections to Montana in the past. So there was kind of some, a lot of people with the bags around. And um, anyway, I uh, was really interested in in getting involved in the outdoor gear. Uh, and uh, so yeah, I decided to come out. I had a partner at the time, and she and I came out to Cake and flew into Juneau and took the ferry over and. Um, spent a week in cake and explored the business and kind of one of the conditions of taking over the business with Robbie and Elaine, the, the, the people who founded the company, um, was that you'd have to spend six months to a year kind of as an apprentice um, and live live in cake. So that's really what brought me um, after, after touring the business and, um, you know, being in cake and just seeing Southeast, they took, took me out on their boat and we got Dungeness crab and we caught halibut and, you know, just the whole treatment, um, went and got clams. And, um, I was kind of drawn to the idea of being in Southeast anyway. So it seemed like an adventure. My business partner was not interested in moving to cake. Um, <laughs> and so I decided to come by myself. Well, had you been to Southeast before, or is this your first trip? That was my first trip, yeah. I spent like uh, 10 days in Southeast and decided to – I went back, and a month and a half later, I had moved into the village. Nice. And now what year was this? This was 2017. Nice. So uh, obviously you like it so far. What what some of the best parts about it? Well, Cake's an interesting spot. I mean, we're connected to, I mean, some of the best fishing and hunting, you know, around. Um, and, you know, we're kind of in a little, you know, banana belt here. We get a lot less rain than a lot of the other communities, certainly a lot less than in your neck of the woods. Um, yeah. So, you know, we get a lot of nice, some well, plenty of sunny days and um, – it's just kind of a little, a neat little spot. It's kind of off the radar. Uh, there are people who like to visit places like uh, Cake or Petrican or like Southeast in general, but they feel that they could never live here. They can only be here like during the brochure, but when you live the whole city, you know, this time of year when it's dark and uh, cloudy, cold, um, how do you? adjusted to the the winters here and living there here oof i don't know if i have <laughs> um <laughs> the winters can get long i mean i'm uh this is so my third winter coming into my third winter here um i stay busy in the shop you know and 
and there's stuff to do if we get, you know, we don't get a ton of snow that sticks around here. Um, but you go get clams, you can get, you know, go out and get crabs and there's still stuff to do. You just have a shorter, smaller window to do it. But the darkness is, uh, is I haven't figured the darkness out yet. Um, I still, you know, the, the winters, the winters get long when you're ready for bed at three o'clock all the time, you know? Yeah. Right. Sure. What about the community? Um, I know that, uh, you know, Grape and Kawhi kind of centered around basketball. So the whole community would show up to like, the basketball games. And, you know, as, as a kid, it was awesome to see that sort of support. But um, that small community kind of isolated. Like, what have you noticed about how the community gets through the winter together? Well, basketball is a big part of it. I guess I left that out. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I separated my shoulder this summer, so I'm still not quite back playing ball again. But um, honestly, my first my first winter here, if it hadn't been for ending up getting involved in pickup basketball here, I probably would have lost it because uh, <laughs> I was trying to take, you know, learn the business and new to the town and still kind of a stranger. And in basketball, I played in that first gold medal, my first gold medal that winter. Um so, or in March, I played in the gold medal basketball tournament up in Juneau, which is a big deal. And that pretty much solidified my spot in the, uh, I had all kinds of elders that I didn't know saying hi to me and saying they listened to me on the radio. And I was kind of, that was kind of the, the turning point, I think, really for becoming a, a member of the community. Yeah. It's funny that people talk about you know, some places it's very, tough to crack that old guard and you're always an outsider even if you've lived there for a long time other communities as soon as you show that you bring some sort of value to the community they accept you with open arms like you don't feel that sort of you haven't been here 15 years so you're you know you you weren't born here so you're not a local right Um, it's it's cool definitely is and i mean you know i'm not employing a ton of people but i've got a few employees and you know every little bit helps there's not a ton of jobs here in cake either so and we're trying to grow it so yeah uh so to the business i i I bought or i didn't buy i got my first uh, sagebrush product a buddy of mine gave me the day pack and i thought dude what are you doing this thing is legit this thing is way too nice to be giving away it was in great shape um and I love it. It's, it's waterproof, durable. I mean, it's everything that you could want in an indoor pack. So, um, what type of experience did you have coming into it? Um, have you worked for, you know, like who, who you worked for and then keep keeping the sort of quality? And how do you make that happen in cake? And um, give me some of the business aspect of it. Yeah, well, my background was, I mean, I had spent a short time. I was really, um, I was in sales and marketing for a while, and then I got into, I moved out to Bozeman, Montana, and just started working a job, um, you know, entry-level job doing production in a super small business called Buck Products, um, manufacturing backpacks. Um, and duffel bags and totes and stuff like that um, with just just sewed goods and from there um, started you know we started a little cut and sew operation and ended up taking over the guy's um, production kind of and um, 
just through the whole grapevine, Bozeman's a really, you know, there's a lot of outdoor gear manufacturing going on in the, out in that area. And just through the grapevine, through some people we were working with, found out about an opportunity, you know, with this sagebrush deal. And, um, you know, I think I talked about on that a little bit earlier, but we, uh, you know, um, I was really intrigued. I wanted to own my own business. I was tired of working for other people. And, um, I had moved to Montana. Um, I grew up in North Dakota and, you know, that's kind of the next spot, you know, the, the last frontier or whatever. And, um, the whole Alaska thing was super intriguing and it just seemed like a cool way to experience Alaska in a different way, you know? So, um, it mixed the business and the adventure together. So it was kind of a a cool thing. And, and meeting Robbie and Elaine, they were just these really cool, um, hardcore Alaskans, you know, and they have this, you know, salt of the earth mentality to them. And it just really drew me in. Mm -hmm. What are they doing now? They're retired, but I mean, actually they've been helping me immensely, um, they live here in Cake still. Um, they just they take their summers off. They're on their boat for about three, four months all summer and exploring all over. And um, they do a bunch of fly fishing and um, berry gathering. And yeah, they just you know they're just kind of enjoying themselves. They, there's nowhere else they'd rather be. Um, so yeah, but they come in and help me from time to time, just because in especially these long winters, you know, they'll come in and get involved and they've been a, you know, a big aid in me taking this business over because it's a, it's, there's a lot to it. I mean, it's, we do radio frequency and hot air welding, um, for all the construction of all the, all the seams and everything on the bags. So it wasn't something I really had a lot of experience, well, any experience with before I came here. So it was kind of, you know, like learning for everything from scratch. I mean, there's a lot of sewing we do, but the main what makes the product special is is the radio frequency and hot air welding so that was a big a big on taking and they were there to mentor me through the whole process what exactly does that do for the for the bag or what's the technology behind it to make it more waterproof or more durable or, or what what exactly is going on there well instead of you know like um a lot of a lot of products can be um sewed and then they do a seam tape over the sewing like a lot of your rain like your raincoat type a lot of raincoats and things like that um we're here we're using radio frequency to basically reorganize the molecular structure of the polyurethane and the coating of the fabric and bond it together um basically forming a new a new fabric that's welded together so there's absolutely no no chance of any any water penetrating those seams and then we use you know dive suit zippers that are submersible um up to seven psi so just super water waterproof gear and and really great um you know materials that we put into them and part of your testing process before you sell them don't you do inflate and submerge do i see a video on the facebook page that uh, that you do that as part of your quality testing yep so every bag gets um we fill it all with we fill them up with what two and a half pounds of air and then just dunk them in a submersion tank and inspect all the seams and any you know we know where a lot of the problem areas can be so just give attention to the spots that need attention and make sure the zippers all pass 
And, um, and then, you know, if they don't, if that doesn't happen, they don't leave the shop. So just every bag is, you know, guaranteed a hundred percent submersible. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of technology that goes into it, but because you're in Cake, Alaska, it's not exactly a nice little quick UPS or FedEx shipment uh, uh, to, to where you're going to do this and then shipping out there. What are some of the complications with making a with producing the bag there and then shipping them from there? What are some of the things that you've encountered and have to have to battle? Well, I mean, it's just, there's all, I mean, it, it's funny we were talking about this, but um you get desensitized, you know, I'm not, I didn't grow up around here, so it's been three years, but you really get desensitized to a lot of the things. I mean, um, but for example, I had an electric motor on my, um, die cutting machine go out and, you know, couldn't fix it here. Talk to the only guy we thought in the village that had a clue on electric motors and he didn't want to mess with it. So have to send it in. Well, you know, first thing you have to do is build a box or a crate to send your motor. You know, it's not like, you know, there's just all these extra little steps, then organize with Alaska seaplanes to have it shipped out and have the motor repair guy pick it up over in Juneau and just all these extra funny little, little things or just with travel, how many, you know, you'll try the ferry is such a much less option, but you know, having a flight scheduled in the wintertime, but having a ferry as a backup plan because you might not fly for three or four days or, um, you know, it's just, there's so many little weird little idiosyncrasies with the travel or ordering things and them telling you that, well, we don't ship to Alaska all the time, you know, and it's just, it's never ending little stuff, but that's what makes it interesting too. Yeah. What are some of your, your goals and, and plans for as far as, you know, are you happy orders now? Do you want to like, limit expansion? Do you want to, what, 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 where are you going from here? Well, trying to expand the business a little. I mean, there's a lot more demand than I can really keep up with right now. So we'd like to at least, you know, fill the customers that we have, you know, that are trying to get some of these orders. But, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we're, I've got now a couple couple employees and, you know, one new one and he's getting trained in, in learning the sewing side of things, you know. So it's, um, yeah, trying to grow it up a little bit. And I'm not sure that, you know, it'll forever be in cake with that being said, but um, definitely like to keep it in southeast. So we'll see what happens. What's uh, one of the most popular products or the most popular product? I was just looking at your page and I saw this, this uh, waterproof gun case, which is just brilliant. I was out duck hunting this last weekend and I had my case, you know, soft case and not waterproof, and it, of course, got water on it. Like, oh, man, that is, that is brilliant. So uh, it's, it's one of the most popular uh, products we got. Yeah, that would be one of them for sure. I just did the Juno Public Market this past weekend, which is a big show for us, holiday market. And we sold out of our gun bags. They were, you know, that's always a, a show favorite. Um, you know, the, the day packs are always really popular, but the, the gun bag is really unique. It's got that, you know, the removable padded foam liner. We use a closed cell foam in there so it doesn't take on and absorb any moisture. And then that zipper, you know, like I said, a submersible zipper, so that'll float any gun you put in there. So it's just a really 
for Southeast and any kind of skiff hunting or duck hunting or, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty sweet to have. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's really nice. Um, what are some of the other uh, products that you have? And then do you have anything new on the uh, horizon? Any plans for any, anything else? Yeah. Um, like I was saying, our dry day pack is a, is a real popular bag. That We've got basically three different sizes, um, a large, a medium, and then our little day tripper. Um, all those, ha- well, the large and the medium have a full suspension system on those, and it's all removable, so you can, like, that's like what you would have. Um, but you can also remove that suspension if you want to and you'd be washed or um, just keep it dry and clean from whatever else you're doing. So that's kind of a good option. Um, our hip pack is really a cool hip pack. Um, just a great, it can be worn in the front or the back, but for fly fishing, it's just, I, I think it's a sweet, I carry my bear spray in there and then some lures and rain jacket and some snacks. And it's just a good size. Cause you're not having to, if I have a, full-size pack i end up filling the thing all the way up and it's just you know never (laughs) fails so if i limit myself to a little small hip pack i can pretty much you know that's all i need the essentials so yeah and then as far as new stuff um yeah we just this weekend um put out some it's not a new product i guess but it's new well it's new to me um i'm putting it out um, but a, a, a kayak bag system where we have a nose bag, a midship bag, and then three um, other tote size bags for like kayak camping or, or any kind of, you know, boat canoeing, um, just tote bags. So, um, which are kind of cool. They're, they're, you know, the nose bag is tapered and the midship bag are tapered to fit into the nose and midship of the kayak. And you can kind of you can access them while they're still in the boat versus having a roll top where you have to pull it out and put it back in. You can just unzip it and load it and zip it closed, slide it forward. And they're also going to add buoyancy to your boat um, because you are, you know, trapping that air in those bags. So it's kind of a double bonus there. Nice. uh, Which one do you use the most? I probably use my day tripper, my small size backpack the most. Um, it's just got a basic simple yoke backpack style, not a full suspension setup or waist belt or anything. Um, but it's just a nice size. It's like, uh, about 28 liters and it's just, you know, it's it's a great grab, throw in the skiff. It doesn't get, you know, it doesn't have a, that full suspension to get sopping wet. Um, and you can click that on and off if you want. But it's just a quick, handy little bag and uh, a water bottle pocket on the front. You just slide it in and some rod straps on the front as well. Just a, I don't know, just a basic little bag. Nice one. So you've been in, in cake for a couple of years now. How much have you become Alaskan? Have you bought do you own a skiff or have you already upgraded from a skiff to a bigger boat? How much are you investing in your, uh, in your fun side of the experience here? Just a skiff as of now, I'm still kind of, you know, I'm working my way up. I'm still getting braver and braver. I'm a flatlander from North Dakota originally. And, uh, this, this is some serious stuff out here, but, um, I'm a fair weather boatman, you know, I like to go out and get crab and do some fishing and, um, 
but yeah, it's, it's a different deal. I spend a lot of time in the sea kayak as well. So, um, and do a lot of overnight camping and stuff with that. So yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's a different deal that we got bears around here like crazy. And, you know, that first summer I was here, it was just getting adjusted to, Oh, these bears, you know, all the kids are running around and treating them like dogs yeah. and I'm scared, you know? So it was, it's been interesting. Yeah. Well, it's a different type of bear too. I lived in California for a couple of years and, you know, you go hike around in Yosemite and there were the, the bears that were used to people inside the park. They'd get the garbage during the evening and they were, you know, they had bags in their ears and they were used to being around people. But the bears used yeah. to be tear apart your car. They're wild. Yeah. It's, is it different? Yeah, and I, I lived in California as well, and I, that was the same. I was paranoid, you know. Yeah. So I've become adjusted to, to t- pitching my tent and having bears walk around or whatever, and it's fine. But it takes a little while. Yeah, you're scared of what you don't know. And I, I went to college in Arizona, and I was terrified of scorpions and snakes because you can't see them. I'm used to bears, but you can hear. You know, you can do stuff, but you know, you're not going to find a bear in your boot here or your your backpack. Um, that's true that's that <laughs> uh, as far as the boat goes I just bought I just upgraded from a skiff because I kind of bought into the whole you know if you have friends that have the bigger boat then you just let them deal with all the costs and the breaking down and the glass and everything else you pick them some money but now that I have a, a bigger boat it's got a 21 foot and it's got a, a soft top on it now I'm like man I can go pretty much anywhere I want it's just a matter of how brave I am this is it's pretty sweet. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's my next move. Um, but yeah, that's the way to go. I mean, if I'd like to be able to be a little more mobile with mine. Yeah. I, you know, you don't, you don't move here. You don't live here. Just, you can kind of hang out inside. So, it's, you know, it's cool. You get out and you, you do a bunch of stuff, but you know, there's always that being able to do things on your own schedule and not have to wait for someone to invite you or, you know, try to get yourself invited to really just kind of grab Alaska by the horn as much as you can because there's no way you can conquer it, but you can really come from here. So I'm pretty excited about the new boat. For sure. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. How many of your Montana friends have have wanted to come up or visit it or, um, or thought you were crazy? Well, all of them thought I was crazy. <laughs> Um, I've only actually had two, two of my Montana friends visit, but, um, you know, everybody wants to visit, but the logistics of, you know, it gets, it's intimidating to people that are, you know, they're trying to take a week off of work or whatever. And then you'd have to have, you know, almost two travel days each way. And it's just, it gets to be tricky, um, trying to get, you know, get a, get, catch a plane or a ferry and. Um, and it gets expensive too. So I think, I don't know, more, more are coming this summer and we'll have a better deal. And my first summer, you know, I didn't have a boat, so it was less interesting to come. So it's, it's just, you know, it's, 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 you know, I'm becoming more of a tourist attraction, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would go back every summer to my mom's house. She was still with the walk. And friends would come up and, you know, you get to catch them and then you got to take a ferry over, you have to fly over. 
now that I live in Ketchikan, it just takes out that extra little logistical issue. You can fly right to Ketchikan, then you're there. You don't have to worry about the boat, or what plane do I have to catch? Um, there's always people who try to get to Prince of Wales and they don't have any sort of plan. They want to go without a plan. That's the whole idea. So they're on the boat going to Hollis. And they're like, oh, you know, we'll, just, we'll just get a hotel in Hollis. Like, there's no hotels in Hollis. Or, you know, we'll just get a taxi. There's no taxi there. So you really have to do a lot more research than just kind of show up and pretend that it's you know, some little town outside of, a, of, a, of an urban setting down south. It's, it's, there's a lot more to it. And if you're too naive, then you could be really dependent upon the niceness of the locals. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had kayakers sleeping on the floor of my shop before that were passing through and got stuck in some bad weather and, you know, construction was going on in town. So there, the lodge was booked up. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, you can't just Google it and it's there around here. I mean, we have one grocery store and that's it. And yeah. It's pretty, pretty slim pickings, 420 people. So, yeah. Do you feel that, uh, there's kind of a realness and a quality of life. Like you can definitely serve a purpose in some of these smaller towns because you're not washed away with just so many people. But at the same time, you can feel pretty alone and isolated. So how do you feel the quality of life of rural Alaska compares to that maybe of, of somewhere on the road system down south? Oh, I think, I mean... I don't know. I was in Denver in April and I just had like this oof, experience where I was just overwhelmed, you know, and just the whole, there's like this push or buzz thing going on where everybody's in such a hurry and, um, I don't know, just the hustle and buff bustle. It, uh, to me, it's just, people aren't so caught up in all the, whatever it is that's going on, you know, um, just the whole, it's hard to put words on it, but there's just this whole thing that's, that's different about the nature of people here and just more genuine to me. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe really. Yeah. I don't think it's something you can really articulate. Even if you do live here and can see the difference, it's just, it's just different. Um, you can feel the difference, I guess, is the thing, you know? There's just a different thing going on. Yeah. When you don't have that sense of urgency, um, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about, you know, he used the example of everybody in some of those big cities like L.A. is just a whole bunch of, I don't know if he said mice or rats, just, you know, fighting each other for the last little scrap of cheese. And I thought, yeah, that's kind of a good example. And, you know, who knows what cheese is, but... You know, here the pace of life is slower, which allows you to kind of take stock and invest time into things that are a little more important and not get caught up in nonsense. Right. Yeah, that's it's it's a it's a big difference, and it's funny because unless you you almost don't realize because I you know I grew up down so I grew up in rural community and farming community, but um, you don't realize how what's going on until you leave and come back. And it's an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, well, man, we're about to, uh, about a half hour here. Do you have any, uh, any closing thoughts or anything about uh, rural life in Alaska or do you want to go to a uh, sagebrush 
pitch or uh, what do you got, man? Yeah, no, I just thought I'd share a moment just since we're on this topic, but of another funny travel experience. Um, yesterday when I was flying back from Juneau, we took off and um, in a small plane and my pilot, we hit some tur- turbulence and my pilot let out a little yelp and <laughs> said, Hey, we got to, we, Hey, we got to turn around. I think I just threw my back out. <laughs> so he had to turn around. We were 10 minutes into the flight, turns around, returns back and swaps out, swaps out the pilot. I get a new pilot and then we take off again. Oh, um, but you know, just one of those funny little Alaska things that, you can't, uh, you know, you can't make up these little adventures a person gets to experience. No. Uh, the first time I was in Cake, I was in eighth grade. I was the manager for the basketball team. And we went up there and it had snowed and then froze and then warmed up. So all the snow had been packed down and then it was raining on top of that. So we, we were going from, I think, the gym or the store up to the school and we had uh, their school band. We were borrowing their school band. And as we we're going up the, the hill, the van just kind of lost its traction and then just kind of died. And so we started sliding flash rolling back down the hill. And Coach just kind of looked around frantically trying to find like a little driveway that he could steer the van into. And uh, we, we just went into the ditch. He missed, went in the ditch because it was dark and it was, it, was, it was wet and slick. And so we uh, – we totaled the cake cake high school van when we were up there visiting when I was in eighth grade. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> uh but you know, the school didn't, you know, lawsuit or anything crazy. It was just, you know, like you said, that that sort of thing just kinda happens up here. Yeah. What about uh some where can people find you in the in the business and in the Instagram, social media? Give the give the pitch. You're gonna be in, in Sitka this weekend for uh, for a show. Yeah, yeah, I'll be in Sitka this weekend for their artisans market and uh, yeah, having all of our waterproof gear there. And yeah, you can find us on the internet sagebrushdry.com. Um, then social media at sagebrushdry on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, we'll you know be at the Alaska Sportsman Show in April and up in Anchorage. We always do that one. It's a big good show for us. Um, and yeah, I mean that's about this. That's about my spiel on it. Great. Cool. Uh, thanks again for uh, being on here, man. Really appreciate the time and uh, enjoy cake. And uh, I'll continue to enjoy the, uh, the gear that I got from you guys. Sounds good. Well, appreciate the uh, interview. All right, take care, man. Yep, have a good one.